When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I wish you could just shut your big yapper. Now it's time for a long walk to Cleveland with Rudy Povich. Good luck finding a DJ who can move and shake like this. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and every morning live on Instagram. That shit sounds pretty good on blow, mixed with tequila and wine. On an empty stomach. Hello, welcome once again to a long walk to Cleveland. My name is Rudy Povich. Find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and of course, YouTube. I'm trying to get those numbers up. Every time I see the audio numbers raise up, I'm like, what about YouTube? And then I go look at YouTube and they're like, you got seven views. And I'm like, what? I mean, listen, I understand that there's maybe 35. 36 podcasts on the planet so why we can't get a little bit of the pie i don't know but uh anybody anyways if you subscribe and you check it out on the youtube that's fantastic i really do appreciate it um but for the most part uh we like seeing these audio numbers just raise and raise and raise and it's awesome that you guys are getting on board with stuff and it's starting to show because every time I do a show, every time I'm, I'm promoting stuff, people are coming out to it and they're hanging out and we're, you know, taking pictures and getting drinks and it's really starting to build this fun community and I'm glad you guys are a part of it. So thank you very much. Speaking of tonight, as you're hearing this, March 4th, I'm going to be downtown Minneapolis, comedy at the comedy at the crane, that show, 730, 10 bucks, three hosts, nine comics, 12 funny people. Ten friggin' dollars? Are you kidding me? Ten friggin' dollars? That's it, dude. Just to get in, you check out that many performers for that little amount of money, dude. It's like you are making cash, making it rain stacks upon stacks. So hopefully we see you guys tonight. Also, uh, a couple of things in the hopper coming up the first weekend of April. I'm going to be headlining up at uh, Dublin's in downtown Duluth. That's a Wednesday night, April 6th. More details on that uh, charity event for the uh, Leukemia. I think it's the Leukemia Foundation. I want to say Leukemia Society, but I think that's wrong. i got to get all the details out. We'll get those up later this week. Uh, did my first virtual reality show tonight with a gut, uh, Gutty's Comedy Club. They're doing like a whole uh, online metaverse, Oculus goggles. I mean, it's it's legit. It's the, it's the craziest damn thing ever. You really feel like you're in a comedy club. You feel like you're just hanging out, man. Like afterwards, got off the stage, and you just start chatting with the people in the crowd. It really does feel like you are in a club in a lobby, hanging out, getting drinks with uh, the audience afterwards because you're just like shooting the breeze and it's wild, man. I was getting a little sick. I could tell I'm getting a little lightheaded from the goggles because you're not quite used to it and just the way, you know, it's augmented reality and your your brain, we're, I, I know we're there, but mm, we're not quite there yet. It still takes a little bit to get used to, but it was cool, man. It was cool. There's probably about, I don't know, 25, 30 people into this little virtual reality comedy club, and they run it just like an actual set. 
they got a guy who comes up and he's the host and he does you know 10 minutes of material and then he brings you on stage and you literally walk up and you pick up a microphone and then you no joke you do 20 minutes of comedy to a room of people the only part that sucks is the lag the lag sucks I don't, I, I'm not a big fan. And I get like, if you're in a theater and you're doing comedy, your timing has to be so much different. Because when you're in a club, it's so immediate. But with the lag, and especially like, I don't know, theater shows are like, tell a joke, there's the laugh. It feels so unnatural. Because in, a, in an actual like intimate, you know, tight setting, like an actual club it's immediate you know it's it's three quarters of a second that's how long it takes somebody's brain to be able to compute what you just said and turn that into something funny but in this it's like you tell a joke and then you wait and it feels like you're waiting forever but you have to wait for them to hear the joke and then laugh and then on top of that you're waiting for their laugh to make it through the internet and then hit your ears so you got to really time it out different. It's strange, but it was fun, man. I had a good time. It was a blast. Uh, also, before we move on, uh, this episode with Gabe Noah, who was just fascinating. We'll get to that in just a second. But this episode of A Long Walk to Cleveland is brought to you by the Batman. Yeah, the Batman. Uh, coming out today, March 4th, theaters everywhere. Robert Pattinson is back as the Cape Crusader. Gotham's only hope of taking down supervillains. Oh, man. Um, so I had a chance to go see it on Tuesday. And when they do reboots like this, like the gritty version of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you're like, oh, God, are you kidding me? There's no way. And then when I saw the trailer for this for the first time, I went, I could see how this thing could get screwed up. They can take this super gritty... They can take this... this, Especially after there's such a giant franchise, the Christopher Nolan version of the Batman, and what they could have done with it. No, no, no. These guys took it and knocked it out of the damn park. Paul Dano as the Riddler is fascinating, and you don't really get to see a lot of of him. And it's a little bit... I don't, they don't go into de- as much depth with Bruce Wayne or with the Riddler as what I would have liked to have seen, but they set it up so amazing for the next movie. I Obviously, I'm not going to give anything away, man. No spoilers, but uh, I believe it's sitting just around that 90% mark on Rotten Tomatoes. If you have no plans this weekend and you do plan on taking in a movie and you can sit for, here's the thing, that movie, two hours, 54 minutes, does not feel like it. You blow right through it. The action is incredible. Uh, the music is great. The gal who plays Catwoman, crush it. They should just give her her own movie. Like I would I would sit and watch two hours and 54 minutes of her kicking ass. So, uh, The Batman in theaters now. Definitely go check it out. All right. Gabe Noah, one of my good comedy friends here from Minneapolis. Guy has a podcast called Profession Confession, which is on fire. And he tells all the details of the people that he sits down and chats with and the people that he gets. I mean, CIA operatives, air marshals, porn stars, sex workers. It's amazing the people he gets on this podcast. I mean, he tells a story about how somebody from the FBI was kind of shaking him down for information that somebody had given on his podcast. It's amazing. But uh, he's a great guy. Tells some amazing stories about you know divorce and having children and starting a business. And, man, he's just so... One Dimensional does not describe Gabe Noah. 
I mean, that dude, you talk about, he's an onion who constantly wears a fucking tassel cap everywhere he goes. He looks like he's about to go under the sea with Steve Zazu. Jesus, but uh, he's a funny guy. Let's give it up and take a long walk to Cleveland with Gabe Noah. Um, they book it and then bail for yeah. whatever reason. And I'm like, I'm, oh. dude, all I'm trying to do is promote you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to take your story and put it on my platform. It's, it's amazing yeah. how people, it's like podcasts have become um, such a fucking common thing that people actually disregard them in a certain way. And it's yeah. like, you know, and, and I'm aware I'm not your fucking priority or whatever. Right. But it's like, we'll have times here where we have a studio, we have crew, you know, and it's like, they, Oh yeah, I'm not getting, can we just do it next Thursday or something like that? And it's like, oh, fuck. I know, man, but I want the podcast. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go with it, but yeah. Well, that's the one thing I notice about this studio because for how many podcasts that I edit, yeah, I notice that there's sort of this common thread between comedians who really have their shit together and some that don't. Yeah. And when I get sent stuff from Los Angeles, there are like three different studios that get sent to me. And every time I see something come out of there, I'm like, at least I know this will be shot well. Yeah. So when I see this studio, regardless of whoever's podcast yeah, or video yeah. it is, I'm like, well, at least I know the content will, you know, regardless of who's try doing to. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I tried to actually, you know, to uh, kind of stroke you guys a little bit. I tried to use we your, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> which by the way, this is what this is going to turn into. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, I really did try to take your business model and apply it to my last radio station because uh-huh. we had these beautiful like places, this, these beautiful studios built yeah. out that sat just empty yeah. all week long. And I'm like, why are we not trying to at least somewhat get people's message out for a small fee? If anything, do it free right away. But Absolutely. because all this sh- like people really do, man, and especially the the next you know generation of kids coming up, my daughter has absolutely no idea what ABC, NBC, Fox, or CBS is. Oh, yeah, yeah. None. But you ask her YouTube, oh, dude, can navigate that shit like Magellan. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's that's like a big thing for our business plan or something that we aim to do. So with, with it, well, you you know the great Tony Fly, obviously. Yeah. And yeah. I you know, and I like Tony a lot, and he'd have me on his, his awful show on the fly, if you remember that. <laughs> I, which I he, do. Which he would also admit is yep. an awful show. Oh, it was so bad. Uh, it was Truly one of the worst shows that's ever been yeah. on television. Yeah. The, the, the first time they had me on, you know, I was, it's regional TV, but it was big enough deal. I was five years into comedy or something. So it's like, you get a little bit of anxiousness kind of, or, mm-hmm. and they said, they're going to send me the sheet of stuff, like of what they're going to talk about. Yeah. Cause I'm sitting there waiting with my fucking pencil. Like I'm going to write bits. I'm going to be ready. And it got to my call time and they still hadn't sent anything. So I'm like, I get there and I'm like, is there like, I didn't see the topics. Did I miss them or whatever? I was like, what are we talking about? They go, we don't know. Do you have any ideas? Uh, I mean, we're a half hour fucking yeah. before showtime. Yeah, like, man. Was, yeah. Was, I know the guy who produced it. His name was Dan. And yeah. Dan was fucking awful at his job. Really? <laughs> no, he was terrible. <laughs> he was so, I lived with the guy for like three years. Really? Awful at his job. Absolutely awful. Dan was one of those guys. And I don't mind talking shit about him because I've talked shit to his face. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah. we, we do have that kind of relationship where we can talk shit to one another sure. about our shortcomings and not be angry at each other. Well, so, like, a, like an adult. Absolutely. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, man, Dan was uh, a terrible at his job and mm-hmm. always lied about women. 
Always light. Really? So Because we would be like at the bar. So in fact, one night, so we're in I down. Feel like you should be podcasting with Dan. Ah, fuck. <laughs> I'm, I'm fucking curious. How do you lie about women? So uh, we would go out to Uptown, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd be out at a bar hanging out. And one time, actually, Dan had said, uh, Dan, Dan, he always needed a wingman. Could okay. never just be like fucking just go out and like and do his thing. Back uh, up his lives. Yeah, right. Could always every time we'd go out, he'd be like, "Hey, man, can you fucking start the conversation?" So we're in Uptown one night. I can't remember the name of the bar, but uh, he's like, "Hey, could you go over there and start you know talking with these girls?" So I go over, I start talking with these ladies, and it's like two or three of them. And the one lady says, "Oh, I work at Best Buy corporate." I'm like, "Oh, right, okay." So now I kind of flag Dan over. I'm like, "Dan, you know." Dan comes over. I'm like, "Yeah, hey, man, this is Betsy. Betsy works at Best Buy corporate." Dan. A fucking large man, very big dude, mm-hmm. uh, says, uh, hey, here you guys got a McDonald's in uh, Best Buy corporate. That's a fucking awesome lead. <laughs> and she's like, I don't know, I, uh, I bring my own lunch. And Dan's response to that was, yeah, you kind of seem like a brown bag girl. <laughs> Like, all this groundwork I'm doing for you, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. And I was that, like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm out. Yeah. And because, you know, women truly, like, I used to have with me, like, women hate McDonald's. If they have any healthy self-image at all, like, just yes. bringing up McDonald's is a gigantic fucking mistake. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I used to, when I was married before, I would rather have my wife catch me fucking the neighbor lady than catch me eating McDonald's. <laughs> like, is, I mean, she'd be yeah. equally disgusted. E- there's shame know? that comes along yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I was, like, going through the drive-thru, and this is my, one of my most shameful moves, is I'll go through the drive-thru of McDonald's, because we have one close here. So I have to eat there, like, more times than I'd ever want to, right? Yeah, it's fast and cheap, and you can get it on the go. But absolutely. I've noticed this thing, I don't know what to call it, it's like a sniffer's row in a in a strip club or something like that, but that you go through the drive-through because you're too good to go in the restaurant. So then you just go through the drive-through, go around the building, and then park in their parking lot and eat in your car. Shame you know? <laughs> And you sit next to the other people <laughs> who are sitting there. Like I've noticed a, a line of people eating in their car because I believe their their thought is the same as me. Like I wouldn't eat in a McDonald's. It's like yeah, I'm too good for it. Yeah, like, it's showing off how bad you really are, man. Yeah. Like showing the world your Pornhub, you know, playlist. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, eating in a McDonald's. Yeah. So, so yeah. Hmm. So you were talking about uh, previously being married. So how long were you yeah. married for? I was married for, um, we lived together for 15 years. Okay. I think we were married about, <laughs> about 13 years. Okay. So where were the- It's going to look really bad. No, actually. no, no. no. I, I'm, I actually don't know, but, but I know it's yeah. 15 years Totally. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. And, um. I don't have to remember anymore. We are we are now divorced. So she asked for a divorce last, um, I don't know, July or something like that. So mm-hmm. I'm like six months out. Okay. So whenever I meet a guy like you who's further ahead than I am, because I have two children too, and that adjustment is fucking insane. Yeah. You know, like, I and I'm, anyone who knows me knows, like, I had to go to college to learn how to do laundry. Yeah, like, I, I truly couldn't make my own food. No shit. I, I really? had a mom who just fucking did that shit for us. That's so crazy because I you strike me as such a capable human being. I am now. I am now. But really? I have to learn all of it. Like like now I can build a fucking house. And, and I learn from YouTube, yeah. basically. Yeah. So I bought a house and renovated. I kind of adopted that mindset. Um, you know, I mean, it was after college even. Mm-hmm. But I had, I no, I was a major fuck off. And I still had, I still have that like incompetence in me for certain things. Okay. I just had to actually call my ex-wife last night going like, can I drive my daughter laid down in snow pants in a mud puddle? And I'm like, can I put these in the dryer? 
And like, can I drive them all the way or can I, you know, like I'll get stuck in my own head with certain things like that. Yeah, but I, I don't know. If you think about it, that's also a, a smart man's move to ask for help before making a decision and then fucking it up. Yeah, you know? I yeah. could have Googled it, but I guess, you know, I was kind of trolling for pussy in some yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> Not entirely a lie. That's always the hardest part, man, especially when it's somebody. It's one thing when like, you know, you're 23, you break up with somebody and yeah. then you're like, well, they still have to stop by and get like a stack of magazines and a box of clothes right so then they come over and then you guys fuck and then you go out and get some dinner that night and she spends the night it's one thing but when you literally have to be connected to somebody through children yeah. and be around man my my ex still travels with us like still oh, comes yeah, to places yeah, yeah. my sister hasn't like unfriended her my mom talks to her i had a girlfriend that i lived with for almost two years my yeah. mom did not know her last name but right. knew everything about so like trying to move forward in relationships that are going to be lasting you have to kind of tell your family you guys got to get on board with the new person a little bit every yeah. once in a while because have you got there yet like i mean have you started yeah. dating a new person uh, a couple of times but yeah yeah there was uh there was one gal i lived with whose name was robin and we were together for about two years shout out robin <laughs> i don't i don't think she's ingesting any of the content no? i put oh god no no that ended terribly yeah. so yeah and then uh there was a gal named allison that uh i was kind of on and off again with for i don't know maybe about a year and yeah. then we got back together and then we were supposed to i was supposed to go to montana with my daughter and my mom and because of my daughter's mom's schedule they never travel together my mm -hmm. daughter and her mom and i'm like that kind of sucks because my daughter's 14 yeah. and she's getting into that age where she's going to look back and be like i have no memories of traveling with my mom but all these kick-ass memories of my dad and i road tripping through california and going to florida yes. so I had invited my ex, like, hey, it's me, my mom, our daughter. Would you like to come to Montana for a couple of days? And before I had asked her, I ran it past my girlfriend, Allison, mm -hmm. and said, I'm going to do this because I think it's the right thing to do. Yeah. It is the right thing to it do, is. but not in her eyes. Yeah. <laughs> not in her eyes one bit, which yeah. I get because if I was in that situation and she goes, I'm going to take my ex-husband on a trip to Las Vegas with me and the kids – knowing who I am now, I'd be like, okay, fine. But if I was at that age, like 32, yeah. I'd be like, what the fuck? No, you ain't going to Vegas with your ex for three days. Are you insane? It really does yeah. show your true, per, you know, who you really are when you are pressed with times like that. Yeah. Because I imagine in your mind, up until that point, you were like, I'm not a jealous guy. I'm totally okay. Absolutely. Now, had you been fucking somebody else mm -hmm. before this, I bet you would have walked in and been like, good for her yeah but yeah. since you didn't have anybody at home that you could you know put your shoulder on that night it's yeah. like you know there's something about it like god damn it not only is this person not loving me but now there's everybody on the planet who's never gonna love me oh, and yeah, you're dealing yeah. with those emotions as well man absolutely yeah and, yeah and just the whole thing of just and then as we, we alluded to pre-podcast i think just at this age i'm 42 i don't know how old uh how old, how old almost 42 no, almost yep. 42 yep. so it's um it is such a weird age to me to get divorced because it's like you still think that you should be able to get really hot chicks but i am <laughs> aware from stand-up comedy that it's like just okay if i go and it's an all-college room now there's a, a very odd hesitance on the part of the audience that's never been there before right mm -hmm. and and i know it's probably because like they look at me and go like, oh, this, someone's fucking dad is here doing comedy. Right? Yeah. Yeah. In, in your mind, you're still as young as they are. 100%. Yeah. More immature than they, than they could ever be. Absolutely. And, and it's like, it fucking is weird to know that that's 
to accept that about yourself, yeah. I, I guess. And I'm, I struggle to do it. So I don't want to, you know, do you do online dating or have you? Yet? I did. It was, I, I did I for a while. I've, I've already, yeah. yeah. And I've already passed it because now like at four, almost 42, yep. it's impossible. For a dude, it's impossible. It's so hard, man. Like you sort of, you, you do it to find, not only to be able to find a mate, but you also do it because the validation that you get when your phone goes, ding, somebody yeah. likes you. Hey, but now at 42, not a lot of people liking you. Not much has changed. You're still the yeah, same dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and you can still and use. You look young. You actually look healthy. I did heroin <laughs> for fucking 10 years. Like, I got some miles on me. No shit. I, yeah. I know you talked about relapsing. I didn't realize it was heroin. Oh, I was a, yeah, I was a heroin addict when I lived in Los Angeles for a long time. No but shit. Like, yeah, yeah. Basically, I went out to Los Angeles because I'm um, undeniably talented comedian. <laughs> you know. Absolutely. This is what's in my head, yeah. right? And yeah. it's like, no, have I done comedy? No. But uh, I'm sure when I go out there, everyone will notice what a star I am, and this shit'll just happen. Yeah, I immediately went there, just got completely overwhelmed by the whole situation. Were you finding success out there in comedy at all? I wasn't even finding effort. Like, I mean, I oh. wasn't even doing shit. It's like I was. I'm always. I always say I develop like five years behind everyone else in my age group, right? Like, I, I'm just. I feel behind mm -hmm. all the time, mm -hmm. and um, and I just went there like kind of thinking I was an adult and truly just had none of that. Like I was still in college mode of like party, like meet people and party and be wild as fuck. And I was a maniac. Like I stupid shit too. There's tons of stupid shit. Like I'd go, I had a wheelchair and I take a wheelchair all over Hollywood and fuck with people like just dumb, dumb like I'm 25. Not, not even, not like, even, not even jackass style with a camera. Just, just to go do more it. More psychological. Like I do things like I go down, um, like uh, there's a Salvation Army. So I lived right off Hollywood Boulevard by Man's Chinese Theater there, like two blocks oh, from there. Total shithole. So I would go <laughs> and, um, and, and and actually it wasn't bad when I was there. I know it's had like up and down periods, but I mean, it was it was all right. Like it was fine. Yeah. But um, you go by, you could go down there and buy crack, you know, <laughs> so that was nice. But um, <laughs> so quaint, so like a farmer's market yeah. of crack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh and basically, I would just, I'd go. So there was this uh, Salvation Army on Hollywood Boulevard that had long fucking aisles, like 50 yards long. It was a long, narrow store. And their aisles were like two inches wider than my wheelchair on both sides. And I'd play this like a disaffected veteran or something like that. Like I'd act like I'm all dark and brooding. And so I'd turn and I'd go down these long aisles and I'd be going really slow. And it was a brick wall at the end. Sorry. So it was like. It was mm -hmm. going down a long dead end. And I knew the storekeeper could see me do it. So I'd like be doing it. And then I'd go like halfway down. I'd go like halfway down. And I'd try to like start turning around and go boom. And it had the big metal like foot things. Yeah. So I'd crash them into the thing like coo, coo. And then I'd go another three feet forward and then try it again, you know? And I, and then, so I would do it and goad the person to come and go like, sir, you, you know, can I help you or whatever? And I go, I can do it on my own. Like I'd fucking yell at him. Like, you don't think I can do it? And they would of course be mortified and just like, there was, it was so fucking, I, it's like, why? Like I didn't have an audience of people. I was videotaping. Yeah. I'd have like one guy with me. That's like, so funny. There's one guy to prove that that's what we're doing. Yeah. I'd sit out, like if it started raining, I'd take my wheelchair out by this big plate glass window in our apartment. And I just sit there in front of the window and go, 
And I would just fucking do sad faces for a long time. A long time. I was high on heroin. So it was like I was already relaxed. But it was... And people would walk by just to see their... I like... I love psychological shit. I, I love like... You know, non-jackass. It's like jackass of the mind. Yeah. You know? God, that is so funny, man. You, oh. ta you talked a little bit about your mom. Where did you Where did you grow up? It wasn't here, was it? I, I grew up in northern Minnesota, uh, Detroit Lakes. Detroit Lakes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I knew it was Minnesota somewhere, at least Midwest. Yep. Yeah, yep. right on, man. Yep. The great white north. Not racially. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the great all white north. Yeah, yeah. Be. Jesus well, Christ. We had one black guy. But... Uh, yeah, yeah. That, you know that was my experience <laughs> back then. So, so that's that's kind of it. So when I moved to Los Angeles, it was like, I mean, just moving to Minneapolis was a thing for me when I was yeah. young, right? Oh, yeah. And I remember being in Los Angeles, being in a grocery store, and going like, "Huh, I'm the only white guy in here." Like, you know, just weird. It didn't. I, I. Anyone who knows me, I have tons of black friends. God, I hate that we have to say this. Shit. I know. I. I, not, I know. I don't meet whatever. But it was still just. Culturally, I had no friends, no whatever. I'm already getting pretty wild with drugs in college when I left. Like, I, I mean, very heavy for the most part, but not not addict type shit. Where'd you go to college? Um, U of M. I, I actually went to St. Thomas my first year and then U of M the rest of the time. So I went for five years um, and I'm not encumbered by any degree or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just went there. I, I mean... knew I was going to be a comic. <laughs> yeah. so did you I really? Did, oh, yeah. Well, since I was like, fucking seven years old or something like that no like, shit yeah it's it's something that was like a certainty um for me all the time yeah still it like now it's frustrating i'm not doing as much as i want because of things i have going on here and all that but absolutely but yeah so basically when i'm there it um we tried to buy pot and the guy said i don't have any pot but here's some black tar opium he called it opium we took it home and my like on the way i'm like I've never heard of black tar opium, but I've heard of black tar, like, heroin. So we Google it and look at it. I was like, I mean, it's like our picture was the exact same as Google's, oh you know, my where God. it's just like, yeah, this is a scene out of heroin. This is a scene know? out of a movie of, like, yeah. rich kids, like, I don't know what he's supposed to do yeah. with the heroin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, um, and yeah, it, and basically we're like, well, I'm never going to get heroin again. Like, when does this, like, fuck it, let's, let's smoke it. So I'm Googling how to smoke it. Like, you know, put it on tinfoil and chase the dragon so do it in the first hit it was like my fucking skull melted in my head like it was just this amazing immediate relaxation i was just like oh like that was so it it was so immediate as far as like oh this is the best of all the drugs no you shit know? like just wow profoundly and i can't say enough i now i have i have children's and i now want to be more responsible it's like the, the only thing with that drug is to say just don't ever fucking try it because you you know you won't have a ch i love when people go like you know hair like i don't think i'd like that or i've heard that with ecstasy a lot they go like yeah you know i don't think i'd like ecstasy i'm like i don't think you'd have a fucking choice it works on your chemical reception like yeah it releases dopamine absolutely you'd really like it yeah, you know? and, I, and yeah. I, i've always said if, if there was a countdown clock and i'm on my deathbed and I, i'm looking at the clock and just going all right there's you know 97 seconds left of life i would just go hit me with some fucking heroin why wait that long? I, I want to try. Why I, wait that long? I, I want to know what it was like. Yeah, I, I just want to know one time, you know, what I, it was like. The one thing that I hold out, the only, like, it's it's truly not something that I think about anymore. Um, I absolutely still struggle with wanting to change my altitude, right? Like, just, 
I don't like how I feel inside, so I want to have a drink or whatever. But I'm old and busy, so it's like it's not, you know, I haven't been drunk in ages, but I mm -hmm. absolutely am constantly groping for internal um, equilibrium. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's just like, I don't, I don't know, feel unsettled all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. And then on top of that, it also sort of heightens itself because you do go out, you have a couple of drinks, you know, maybe you drive home, shouldn't have. Oh, then, yeah. then you wake up the next morning going... Fuck, I'm such an idiot for doing that. And now you're wrestling with yourself, not only for the first demon that you're trying to cover oh, up yeah. with the booze, but now you're also wrestling with that second demon of, shit, I had the dog in the car. And like, what was I thinking, you know? And I'm a, and I'm a shame and guilt-based man. So I was doing that anyway. Yeah. I was doing that on the way in, you know? Oh, so dude. it's like, and that really, that, that derailed me for fucking year. I mean, you know, now I'm aware of it, but I still, man, there's, it's like, um, hating myself is so natural to me that I truly don't view it as like a negative aspect. Like to me, I look at more people and go like, why don't you like, boy, you're not very self-critical. Like I talked to a lot of sex workers on my podcast, right? Mm -hmm. I love sex workers. Truly some of my favorite people in the world to talk to, um, for, for many reasons. Like, you know, of course I don't want to do that thing where you couch go, they're so sophisticated and interesting and they are. But what I love is that they're on the front lines of human uh, depravity, you know? So like they they just, they're fascinating to fucking talk to. Absolutely. And, um, why was I saying this? Why did I start saying this? The fuck um, a lot of sex workers, they do it for the, maybe the validation. You're talking right about trying to, yeah. Anxiety. Oh, like the self, self hate type stuff. Oh, sure. One of the things that I constantly find myself asking them is like, you lay down on the floor with your legs spread. Like guys are drinking beers, looking at your pussy. Like, do you are you self-conscious because they'll dance with it. they'll stuff their tampon up there farther like like you know i've seen uh i have this great porn actress who comes on my show jordan max minnesota's finest porno queen <laughs> and um talking to her like i um watch a video where there was you know like a spot right on yeah her, on her and i'm like does that bother you and it's actually beautiful how they're like you know, basically their feeling is like, you know, not my best look, but, you know, like that's nothing to break down about, right? Yeah. Which is 100% right. I, I mean, I don't have that. Yeah. It's sort of when a comedian bombs and they're like, that's eh, okay. Right. Whatever. I can, right. I just, it, I'll, I'll do it again. You know, that yeah. wasn't my best night. I've had, was it my worst set? Yeah. No. I'm sure a porn actress a looks great, at it like that's it like that. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. I see to me the imagery, but, but I mean, now that you say it that way, I probably do like, I'm now able to do that a little bit as a standup. I'm generally a head case and want, you know, I feel fucking bad and I'm not happy and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. But, but I absolutely can shake off certain shows where you go like, you know, I just had one in, um, Andover and I was like, I did, no one would walk into that show and go, boy, this guy's killing. Right. Mm -hmm. But it was 40 people in a room that holds 200 they're all spread out in giant round tape. Like for that circumstance, you know, I know that it was actually very good. I mean, half the table stood around and talked to me for 45 minutes after the show. Like I know that it was good, but the old me would have been like devastated. I would have been just, I would just hate it because I wanted to fucking kill so bad every time. And yeah. I don't, yeah. Uh, it is one thing when you, you're up on stage and you're like, this is not going well. Oh, yeah, this is yeah. sucking. And then you go back and you listen to the tape or you, you, oh, yeah. watch, you watch it and you go, okay, I guess this wasn't as bad as I thought it was from the outside looking in. So why did I spend 
three hours All after the show, hating, hating myself mm-hmm. until I got home. And then I watched and went, okay, there's some there's some good stuff on here. You know, yeah, yeah. You, you could clip a couple of things. You could, you know, you found a way to rework this joke. Or Absolutely. You said man. something off the cuff and you didn't even realize it. Now you have that in your bag of tricks. Like, yeah, it's crazy that our brains will, oh, will do that. I talked to um, uh, one of my favorite comics, uh, Mike Leibowitz from New York. Well, he's Chicago in New York now. But he like he gave me the greatest advice. He he was doing um or we were doing a showcase thing together. Someone was there. Like there was some reason why it was high stakes. Like I don't know if it was like a, a TV type like thing. But I remember him saying just the only mistake you can make is doubting yourself. Like once you get up there, the only mistake you can make is to doubt yourself. And it's like for some reason that that seems obvious, but that's something that I should have absolutely known from the beginning and did not. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it's those little tiny things that you realize, you yeah. know, like like one of my biggest problems is when I go back and I watch tape, I realize the shows where I'm doing best is when my shoulders are completely square with the crowd. Okay. I'm not walking back and forth. And sometimes when I get into like self-doubt mode and I'm like, ooh, that last bit didn't go well. Am I going to lose them? I drop my right shoulder. Wow. You're like a golf coach or something like that. Like, yeah. And now I've come to like, I had a show Saturday night where... The start of the show was great. That's the most specific comedy <laughs> note I've ever heard in my it, life. Yeah. It, it's crazy though because I really, sure it's true. Yeah. I really do feel because there's stuff that that there's jokes that I have seen um, that just crush in certain situations, and then why didn't they in others? Of course. You know why of didn't course. it work here? And it's like, well, okay, now when you go back and you look at it, especially when you look at stuff like um, Richard Pryor, just mm-hmm. take Richard Pryor and take just read what he said. And you'd go, there's not a joke in any of this. Right. There's not a single written joke here. But if you watch the tape, people are falling out of their chairs yeah. hysterically. You know, That's an enormous part of comedy, I think, yeah. right? is that innate funniness. The, the confidence. And, mm-hmm. and the more that you doubt yourself, y- your cadence, the way you look at the crowd, you, know, you can always tell, when, even if somebody's having a good set, you can tell when they are doubting themselves. Oh, when they God. Feel, because they will talk, and then as soon as they talk, their eyes go to the floor mm-hmm. and then it come back up again. And you're like, dude, if you would have just stuck, kept, you, kept your eyes yeah, on the yeah, crowd. Yeah. They, but it takes so long to be able to, to, you know, be able to figure that out. You I've never heard someone who like, um, uh, that you observe the physicality so much for stand up. Like, like, I mean, you know, I absolutely do and notice things, but I don't think of things like that looking. I mean, I'm like, I've lived that. So I know exactly what you're referring to, mm-hmm. but I, I, um, I can't say that that's how I watch it. And, Maybe I should like because I mean, I definitely I can relate to, you know, one of the things that bothers me most is someone who's been doing it for whatever, 12 or 13 years now. And before COVID, it's that's what I was doing. Right. And um, that sometimes now getting back in the swing of things now post COVID that like every now and then I'll get on stage and I have this like kind of discomfort that I can't shake, you Mm -hmm. know, because, you know, you haven't got enough reps yet, which I knew that's part of it. But I've done it too long to feel like you're kind of starting over and I'll, you know, grab the mic stand. Like I'll, I'll feel that at this yeah. age. And it's just like, God, I fucking, it annoys me that I can't, like, I have a few things that I need to do before I go on stage. And if I don't do those, if I don't have those thoughts, like I have to remind myself very often go like, cause I noticed some years ago that my general feeling is dread <laughs> before I go on stage. Like, this is going to suck. They're going to fucking hate me. And, and they're right. You know, like, <laughs> basically. and I had to remind myself at a certain point where I was like, you want to do this. You've devoted your whole fucking life to this. Stop, you know, having this negativity kind of for it. 
And I, I like some aspect of the negativity because I think it made me, when they do laugh, it like perks me up and makes me have fun. It's like, oh, I thought you guys were going to hate me. Mm -hmm. But um, but yeah, it's it's all those little things. Like, I mean, it's like a golf swing, I guess, right? Like yeah. All these little things that you need to do, I feel like. Um, yeah. It makes it does make a huge difference. And uh, something you said, I've given this advice to almost everybody in every aspect of life, whether it's stand-up comedy. Something that I said? It's something that you said. And I, I've taken this with me. I know. Get, get wow. a pen. Get a pen. <laughs> um, Where did I steal this from? So yeah. uh, we were uh, Grumpies. Okay. Wednesday night, we're at Grumpies. This, this was going to be way back. Yeah, this is... 12 years ago, maybe? I don't it was even. An Oracle, I, even then? I, I don't even know if my daughter was born at the time. So maybe it was even like 13 years ago. Hey, Chell, can you come and wide out this camera? I didn't realize I'm sitting halfway <laughs> out of the fucking frame. I'm sorry. Jesus Christ. Um, How would I know? Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'll tell you what. How about this? How about give him a chance to do that? I was going to take a quick break, do a quick ad. Okay. We'll come back. We'll talk a little okay. more comedy. And then Perfect. I also want to chat with you about profession confession. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. Excellent. Yeah, All right. That sounds awesome. All right. We'll come back with more uh, more with Gabe Noah in just a moment. Get you over to the toll booth for a dollar twenty-five. You can't find deals like that anymore. Oh, yeah? Dollar Shave Club. Yeah, you can find a deal. Dollar Shave Club. I've been one of the first 100 members for years now with Dollar Shave Club. As I like to say, I've been using them for five years on my face and seven years on my balls. These guys sell top and high premium razors. And uh, I'm telling you, and the thing about it that I love about these guys is that, first off, huge sense of humor, very self-deprecating. They love the product. They use the product. And uh, everything that they do, they do it with their employees in mind. I'm, honestly, check out their website. You don't even have to do monthly subscription to Dollar Shave Club. You can do it like I do it. Just go bi-monthly. I'm a man who likes to get a little bit of gristle in the beard. I'm a man who likes to let it out just a little bit. Go ahead. Let your freak beard fly, guys. It's okay with Dollar Shave Club. Shave around the edges. Get what you need. Now, I only do every other month, and uh, I go with the uh, I go with the every other month pack, and it suits me just fine. It's four razors. I use maybe one or two in that two months. I've just got a stockpile of these damn things in my bathroom, and uh, you can too. Dollar twenty-five gets you over the bridge. Ha! Save a quarter. Use Dollar Shave Club. Go to dollarshaveclub.com. A very proud sponsor of A Long Walk to Cleveland. So my show, uh, Profession Confession, is confessional. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to me, the biggest thing is, or if there's a skill that I have, I feel, first of all, I'm just truly curious and interested in these people, genuinely. And I'm not judgmental because I've fucked up. You know, I lost a car. You know, I, I was on heroin enough that I lost a new car. Lost it? Lost like, it. literally just lost it and never found they it? They put a boot and... on it. They, I was so, I was, like, already kind of in a bad spot. My Like, I was already pretty out-and-out out junkie. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, every, every day for a long time. And my parents lived in Minnesota. They're far enough away. I can't, my dad won some lawsuit, I think, and he had some extra money and basically gave me this is like this makes me sound like such a rich like white kid but i guess whatever i mean he bought me a like a new car i was supposed to make paint you know i was supposed to do all this shit immediately fell apart right mm -hmm. but it was a brand new honda element which i can't even believe i was on heroin to buy that you know it's, it's literally what i drove here today <laughs> I, I did like it <laughs> you know i I picked it for a reason i just look back at it now and put it this way whenever i'd see another driver in it 
it'd be like a guy wearing like a khaki colored hat with an extra long brim on it. You know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. those kind of, where I'd be like, that guy's a fucking dork. Yeah. And then the next person would be like a fat lady with a fucking hip pack on. Like you can see it because that big windshield. Sure. I'm just like, these, I don't fucking fit with these nerds. Yeah. Like I gotta, you know, I'm cooler. I'm 25. Yeah. I bought mine because it's a stick shift. It was the worst idea. I was like, I'm going to drive a stick. A stick so I can fly. Yeah. Yeah. It's five speed. I've, dude, it's, I can't even believe they made that. No shit. That was the only one I could find. I got T-boned in Uptown. I had a kick-ass like Chevy Colorado. It was pumpkin colored, like that cool fucking orange. It was like metallic almost. I hate that color and, more than anything. Do you really? In the world. I really oh, do. no shit. Why is yeah. that? You have awful taste. Oh. No, I seriously have always hated orange vehicles for some reason. Really? I mean, yellow's worse, but I mean, yeah. that's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, believe me, I've been at odds with many people about it, but I, for whatever reason, I'm very judgmental towards it. It's I'm good. Sorry. It's good to know that the pendulum swings that way, man, because there are some people, I've seen some people with like chartreuse colored cars, and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? It's oh, like, yeah, that's just absurd. Like, though. so absurd. So yeah. absurd. Yeah. I saw a guy with a yellow truck and yellow jet skis, and I was like, that is the fucking grossest thing I've Too ever much. Seen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, too much, so. man. Yep. Uh, what are we talking about? Podcasting. Oh, yeah. Profession, confession. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we were talking about downloads before that. Yes. What, yeah, what I was getting to. So when COVID happened, um, you know, tried to do a Zoom one or two, and it was just immediately confirmed what I thought, which is that you can't, if you're not in the room with someone connecting with them, like you can do good. Like we put in this big screen here mm -hmm. so that you yeah. can see the people as your size and you can feel like you're interacting, but it's like, it's just not the fucking same. No. And us as a culture, we're starting to do more and more get togethers like that. And it does feel more natural now, but it's still just like for my podcast, it, it, there's some element of, you know, you feel their energy when you're in the room. Right. And you can kind of sense how far you can go. And, and, and if there's one thing with our show, it's, it's that I say this every guest, like I'm going to ask you every question, like no matter how inappropriate you don't have to answer. I'm not, I never bring someone on to just, you know, ambush them or, or really even offend them at all. Like I, I, you know, I'm grateful that they're on and I want to hear their story. So it doesn't help if I go, you did that. What are you a fucking scumbag? Yeah. Or you know, yeah they right. They don't tell you that much yeah. when you do that. Yeah. So, and, and I'm not that way anyway, but, um, so we had to put ours on ice all through COVID. And then we were trying to learn this studio became, cause I couldn't do stand up now. So now it became like, I got to get like this studio thing has to fucking work now or I'm going to be in deep shit. Basically. Sure. So it kind of shifted gears that, but it was down for a year, you know, a year and a half or something. And I was really thrilled to see that our audience was still there when like when we came back for sure. But yeah, once you kind of get them. Seems like. Yeah, it. man. I mean, look, I mean, the Beastie Boys would put out a record every five years yeah. and have just as many albums sold every time, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, this, this mindset of you got to do it all the time, no matter what, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, there's a, uh, there's a guy that I follow and just because I've, you know, pushed myself off from the dock of radio, mm -hmm. I've had to become like my own, my own biggest fucking cheerleader, which yeah. is hard sometimes for a guy who's got super low self-esteem from Northern yeah, Minnesota. Just so little to cheer for. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to be able to like learn Instagram and to be able to learn social yeah. media and learn all those aspects. And then, you know, you're always told like, you got to do it this way. You got to yeah. constantly do it this way. And then you do something that is not the way you're being taught and it works. And you're like, well, wait a minute, how come it, you know, so now 
fuck, man, the last six months did I waste all that time? Yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah. but that's the one thing is like once that's how you know you have a good product. Yeah, is yeah, that, yeah. No, and, for sure. Like people who listen to our show, fucking love it. Yeah, like, for sure. We have a very, um, you know, it was starting to absolutely change my life right before COVID. So we came out of COVID. Mm-hmm. She waited to get asked for the divorce till the end of COVID. Yeah. Not that it's over, but you know what I mean? Like shit started opening. So I'm like, I'm getting ready to do stand up again. Yeah. Well, now I'm getting ready to buy, get a new fucking apartment and buy furniture and learn how to be a single parent. So it's like another setback sort of, right? So yeah. I haven't been back at it full yet. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've seen your material and I think you can mine a lot of good material oh, out of yeah. what is going on in your life though so oh yeah yeah no that's <laughs> yeah that, like yeah if i didn't have tragedy i don't know what the fuck i'd talk about you're right man you're yeah, right i but. i just started writing and i've been so apprehensive to do it but i just started writing more about my dad oh, okay uh, who what's the deal with uh, uh split when i was a kid and i do okay. a whole bit because i got a brother that must and, be really really hard yeah yeah you know he, he left when i was like one and a half and yeah. then uh Turns out years would go by and I met my long lost brother when I was like 37 okay. and then is that alive now still alive. Yeah. 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 Uh, one of the things I've been working on is I'm trying to figure out a way to compare him to, you know, uh, in terms of parties, because my dad, you know, big alcoholic drinks every day. OK. Uh, in terms of parties. Is that why he left? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. And uh, in terms of parties, my dad is a little more Firefest, a little less Coachella. You know what I mean? Okay, like yeah, he's yeah. a little more kind of a dumpster fire, you yeah. know? Well, like he is a burning man. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He's one of those guys. But uh, and I just recently kind of became more comfortable talking about that yeah. and getting that sort it's of it's very hard to do mm-hmm. and it, it's taken so long, man, like even at the age of 42 and been in this game for a little while, you know, Still trying to write jokes that are like, everybody's going to like this one, you know, like instead of just going, no, fucking anybody could write that joke. Exactly. Mind something that came from you and only you. If if I have one writing exercise that I've sort of like kept as a secret, but but I I think it's one of my most effective ones when I'm stuck or just don't feel like I have something is that I'll sit with my notebook and think, what is the thing that I want that I'm most afraid of people to know about me? Yeah. the harder it is to talk about, it creates tension inside yourself, right? And it creates tension in the audience. So it's like, like I got, I got caught having a, um, having a wet dream <laughs> by my in-laws. Like I fucking, well, I took a nap. It was like over Christmas. So you're doing Christmas boozing, right? So it's like you see old friends and yeah, and then wait, wait a minute, hang on. You had a, you had a, a wet, a wet dream, dream, like in in your. Like in your in older in-laws house, in your older years, like in like in your this is thir- like yeah, five years ago or what? Six years ago, yeah. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, I, I'm I'm good for ah. that dream. Like every six years, it seems like no kidding. Yeah, I keep asking older gentlemen, when does this stop? <laughs> good for you. No, because yeah. my shit, like I had one consistently every month for like probably sixteen months between the ages of like twelve and fourteen and a half, and I never had another one. I'm fuck. I'm sad really? that I don't get them. Yeah. And, God damn and, it. And by the way, I didn't have many growing up. Like I mean, I'm telling you, I've had four in my life, mm-hmm. five in my life. I've been caught twice. Like it's in, it's unbelievable. So the first one was at the in-laws. Where was the second one? So, well, the in-laws one also is by far the worst. So I'll just tell you this quick. Okay. So it was Christmas, you know, you meet old friends, you're drinking. So you have like five days in a row of like drinking too much holidays. You're eating too much. So I was going to, I realized that it's daytime at the in-laws and I'm like, 
I just need a nap. And I knew it was going to be one of those booze naps where like it's two hours and you wake up sweaty and your neck hurts and you have vivid dreams and all that. Yeah, you're like, why is so my I'm sweater like, tight now? <laughs> yeah, so, so I'm like, I got to go away from people so I can get some peace. So I go down. They're all upstairs. I go down to the downstairs, the basement living room, lay down on the sofa, go to sleep. Sure enough, start having the most vivid fucking sex dream that I've had in 20, like, you know, you have dreams where you wake up and you go like, oh my gosh, I think I had a sex dream last night. <laughs> like that. And then there's things like this where I was like, I went to another dimension and fucked a woman and came back. Like, I mean, it was so real. Like I could feel, uh -huh. I could feel ridges inside of her vagina. I don't even know if women have those, but my wife didn't. So it was like <laughs> exciting. And I couldn't even see her face. It was a shadow. But basically in the dream, I'm like, well, I'm already caught. Like, I'm already in big trouble. Yeah. I might as well, like, enjoy this. Go for broke. And in the dream, I was laying on my back. This is all relevant, by the way. I'm not just describing. Sure. No, no, no. And I'm thrusting with some gusto. If a child was walking by with his dad, mm -hmm. the child would point hey, and doing say, glute bridges. Daddy, why is that man trying to buck that woman off of him? Like, that's how hard <laughs> yeah. it was going. It built to a wonderful finish. And I, whatever, that happened in the dream. And then all of a sudden, like I woke up on this on the um, sofa that I was laying on and I rolled to my side to make just, and this is a, way too true, <laughs> made perfect eye contact with my father-in-law. And I looked and there's my mother-in-law and I realized the TV's on and it's really loud. And my brother-in-law and his wife and my wife, they're all fucking sitting there. And it was like, I mean, is like paralyzing, like just, oh my God. Cause I'm like, <laughs> and the looks on their faces are like, like it was that thing where they're looking at you like, please use this renowned wit of yours to make us think that you weren't just jabbing your hard dick straight up into the air and jizz in your pants. Like it was so, and I'm actually not as good under pressure as I should be. So I look at it and I go, I go, uh, my back is killing me. And then I turn to the TV and I'm just like, oh my fucking God. And, and you ever have that where you try to tell a lie and I turn to the TV and I feel the pressure on the side of my face. Like that wasn't good enough. That didn't get me out of this. So I'm like thinking like, what do you say? What do you say? What do you say? So I turn back. And I'm like, you guys have some ice or something? I was gonna like, say God damn. I'm like, this is really killing me. So then it's like, uh, so then I did something. So I'm, I'm a bit of a liar. I used to be like more than I'd like to be, right? Or like, I'm good at it. That's all I can say I'm good at. It. I'm not a liar in a day-to-day -day thing, but I can. And as a liar, anyone who's a liar knows, sometimes when you really are stuck in a corner, you just got to lie so big yeah. that they have no choice but to it. Because why would he lie about that? It made him sound bad. Absolutely, right? yeah. So I tried one and I, I said, uh, oh, God. I had the weirdest dream. <laughs> and, and I go, uh, I had a dream that I was in prison and my cellmate was like trying to rape me and I'm trying to like get away from him. So that was like, to me, I was accounting for my thrusting. <laughs> yeah, right? Like uh -huh. I'm trying to get away from this guy. I'm actually not, am I, I didn't cheat on you, honey. I was actually trying to get away from a bull in the prison cell with me. And, um, but I, then I realized, right, as you say, it's like, oh, I didn't account for my hard dick. Yeah. <laughs> so now it's like, I'm a fucking jailhouse tease. But the, 
I like turn back to the TV and the sister-in-law gets up and leaves the room. Like, I'm just like, I mean, red alert, red. Like, I mean, just, it was fucking awful. Oh my God. And then the next one was at camping with my parents. No shit. In the same no tent? One, yep. Uh, wife there. No, this was in like a an RV okay. situation. Now, there's no story. I don't know who saw what, but I know I was the last one up. And I woke up with a freaking mud puddle or whatever. Ah. Like, you know, and I know I had wood, you know, and I didn't have a blanket on. Like, it's just Oh, like, my God. Man, you're, you're 40 years old. Get your shit together. Stop having wet dreams. <laughs> Oh my God! Stop coming in your pants. Oh, it shouldn't happen for years. Oh my God! I fuck. I want to be there the first time you bring that to the stage because that is oh, that's yeah. fucking brilliant. That's I mean, so funny. I have said it before, um, but not. It's not something that's made. Uh, yeah, I've, I've said it six times or God, whatever. That's I funny. Did, but, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It is nice when you get to that age where you are able to look at those things yeah. and be able, because you know I think our twenty. If that were to happen when you're like twenty four, oh my God. you'd be fucking mortified. Like you would literally I just was mortified for this. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> In the moment, but I get what you say. Yeah, but on the backside of it, man. Yeah, totally. Like. um uh, my like first jizzing story was mm. almost similar where I was at, Tell me your first story. <laughs> go on. I was at Gabe's in-laws house yeah. <laughs> and sleeping on the couch. No, I was, uh, I went to, uh, I was, we lived out in the sticks way out in the country up in Northern Minnesota. And I had taken my bike and went to this girl, Natasha's house. And Ooh, while that's a sexy, a sexy name, but she was already hooking up with this dude named Jeremy. So I, yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) So uh, I made out with her friend Sarah, and then in the yeah, yeah, you know, it is is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But uh, my mom had called the house and was like, "Get your ass home because we got to go to your grandmother's." Like, I think it was like my grandma's like I don't know fifty seventh birthday or something, Mm -hmm. and I'm like. Oh, I don't want to leave. Like I'm finally, you know, I was like 14. I'm like, I'm oh, yeah. finally like touching a boob for the first time. And now mom's got to like call me to come home. And it's a haul, dude. It's like, we lived like six miles where out of like, town. Where, where was it? it was in Hibbing up on the iron range. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. But okay. it was, it was kind of like we lived in near closer to a small town called Chisholm. Yeah. And it okay, was way the fuck out in the middle of nowhere. So I get on my bike and I start pedaling home and right. I'm literally pedaling down the fucking highway, right. trying to get home, racing to get home because my mom is super pissed and we got to get to this place. I keep but, just wondering, where did this guy come in this story? So, right. I'm, on the bicycle. <laughs> so I'm on the bike pedaling as hard as I can to try to get home. My shorts, because it's the middle of July, are just a little tighter than they probably should have been. Okay. And I start thinking about Sarah what had just happened, you know, a couple wow. of minutes ago. And of course, when you're 14, you brush up against a coffee table and come in your pants. No, I didn't and, do that. No? Oh, <laughs> no, yeah. No. You wait until well in your 30s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I uh, I was literally like, you know, pedaling my ass off thinking about Sarah. Meanwhile, my, you know, tiny little hard dick is in my shorts rubbing up against. <laughs> you're 14. <laughs> it's actually shrunken since then. It's yeah. terrible. Um, but uh, it's rubbing up against my leg. And all of a sudden for the I've never felt this ever in my life. I, I I ejaculate into my shorts and I fucking crash the bike into the ditch because I I was just like so oh my god what just happened that's ne- I've right. never had that happen before. I literally crash into the fucking ditch and as I am like crawling out of the ditch just going oh my god like what just happened i look up and my mom comes screeching up down the highway and slams on the brakes and sees me and she's like get your ass in the car 
and we take my bike and we set it in the trunk of the car and then I get in the spill? Yeah, and I right. get in the front seat and that is how I spent my grandmother's 57th birthday That's with coming my pants and that was so but the whole time I'm at this party just going what the fuck happened? It's bizarre. Like, yeah. I mean, the first time you do that, it is fucking super bizarre. You don't know bodies are supposed to do that. You right. know, at that age, I didn't know yet. I think it took a good 10 loads before I was comfortable with that feeling. Yeah, you yeah, know? right? Like it, it's, yeah. it is. It's very weird. Yeah. We uh, we had a neighbor friend of ours. You have a different hole. You, yeah, you, I yeah. think I think it should have it. Yeah, I, I like agree. Put it in a secondary. Hole. Yeah, this isn't a one-stop shop for all the fluids. Yeah, I, I need. Like, yeah, <laughs> I need other holes. I feel like I could sell that to like women on Tinder or whatever. Like, just so you know, I have a fully <laughs> dedicated jizz tube. Yeah. So yeah, you want to pee on my jizz? Yeah. You know how like the furnace has the little tube that goes yeah. into the wash tub? Yeah. I got one of those for my for my cock. It just comes out the side of it. it yeah. It, it's it's either that or I'm gonna go and see how much it costs. Just get one all-purpose hole put in my body. Like food, <laughs> shit, piss, yeah. every, just everything. It's like a shower head that yeah, you just turn yeah, yeah. every time. Yeah, yeah, man. You don't want to gum it all up on one tube. You just eh, give it a spin. I'm so embarrassed. Right. I'm drinking Mountain Dew on on camera. It's it's uh, uh, you never see someone who's successful or intelligent drinking a Mountain Dew. I've never seen that before. You're the first. I'm ashamed. Hey, you're the first. <laughs> uh, let's get back real yeah. quick, and then we'll wrap it up because okay. uh, yes. I know you're a busy guy. But uh, the thing that and I and I'm this is like I said before. This was going to turn into me stroking you. Literally oh, and yeah, figuratively, yes. Yeah, did we get to the advice thing? That's, that what, what, that's what I'm going to get to, yes. God damn it. So uh, it was a piece of advice that you had, you, and it wasn't even advice, you had just said it, and it just resonated with me, and I've held on to it for years, and anytime somebody asks me, what what should I do, this is what I tell them. And we were at Grumpy's one night, it's you, me, Chris Maddox, a bunch of people are down there for the show, and uh, I had brought like a small little video camera with me, and I said, hey, man, um, do you want me to record your set? You know? Oh. And you said, why? And I was like, well, that way, you know, you got it. You can. And at the, at the, at, at, well, at the time, MySpace was like still the, the, the mm. shit, right? So this was even. Oh, before. I probably was genuinely curious. Why yeah. did someone film it? Yeah. yeah. And I said, uh, I said, well, you know, then you can have it and you can like put it on like MySpace or whatever. And you go. Uh, and your uh, response to me was, uh, yeah, I'm not really looking to have people know that I'm doing this. I'm just going to spend like the first like year or so just like really getting good and then I'll I'll tell people oh, about yeah, it. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I feel strongly about and, that. Yeah. Yeah. And and that like hit me because I in my at that moment, I think I was only like 27 at the time or 28 and yeah. I'm like, well, "That's fucking stupid. Like why aren't you telling everybody, man? Bring everybody yeah, to the yeah, show. Yeah, Get yeah, everybody yeah. on board with this." Right. But and then I learned my lesson the hard way when I fucking bombed terribly uh in front of Andy Kindler at Acme one night and it was brutal and I'll never forget that feeling. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh shit, that's why you wait to tell anybody. And I, I apply it to almost everything, whether it be stand-up comedy, drawing, acting. If you want to like fucking, if you want to be a roofer, yeah. don't tell anybody. Yeah. If you want to just go do your shit for one whole year, first off, to make sure that you're still dedicated to it because mm -hmm. after a year, you'll kind of know. You'll know if this is going to be something that you want to do. Yeah. Even wait two Most years. anything you suck at when you start. Yeah. I mean, people don't want to accept that. You no. Know? Like, yeah. No, and, and like, and especially, I, I think about that because I had such a, like, a good run between the ages of like 22 and 27 mm -hmm. when it came to, when it came to successes I was on fire. Yeah. So when I started doing stand up because you were doing radio really well right away right on the big station cuz yeah. I actually knew your name before you you know before you and I met 
Um, like, you know, when I met you, I was like, oh, yeah, that guy. Like, you know. Yeah. So, so yeah. in my head, I was like, well, this is fucking, this is just like radio. It's right. like anything else. I can do this. Right. So when I got into it, it was like, just fucking tell everybody. Yeah. And then ate shit many times in front of people. And, and then I realized like, oh, well, if you are presenting this version of you yeah. to them, they are going to stop coming. You only get to be new once. Exactly. That's what I yep. Say. Yep. yep. You only get to be new once. So, so the, yeah. Yeah. And that, I, for whatever reason, that, that, what you, when you said that that night, it didn't hit me until probably like two years later where I was like, that's the one piece of advice I always give is don't, don't if you want to do it, take, take a stand up comedy yeah. class. And when you got your showcase that night, don't bring anybody. Shut the fuck up. Yep. Just yep. do your shit. You suck. Yep. You suck. And that's okay. <laughs> it's part of it. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and even worse is people who do really well right away and they think they're fucking kicking. Like, cause so many people get confused that it's like the audience is laughing loud. And it's like, yeah, true. You know, mm -hmm. they are, but your shit is so simplistic. Like, you know, just audience button pushing kind of shit. Yeah. And it's like, I know you think you're good, but you're actually really fucking shitty. Yeah. And you'll learn that you're going to shed all these jokes pretty soon, you know? Yeah. Like, yep. you know, you might genuinely be funny and all that stuff, but you're not. You're just not, no one gets to walk into this shit just being good. It's yeah. a real no. craft or art. Absolutely. Know? Yeah. And I think, especially now that I'm back and it's been a few years, I'm starting to see the people at that, like, that, like, two year mark who have, like, a really good five minutes. Yeah who haven't added or subtracted anything yes. from that five minutes in the last two years. And I'm like, what, what's your plan here? Are you yeah. just going to do that same five minutes for the next fucking yeah. decade? Or are you just going to go up there with nothing sometimes and Absolutely. really see if you can fly? That's, I think that's, I did that for a whole year. Like no shit. Uh, my eighth year uh, doing comedy. I got, so you get to the point where you're like, you know, it's, uh, it's obviously a big thing, right? So you get, you learn how to crush, right? Or like, you get to 15 minutes and you get to 30 and then you think you're getting to 40, but then you realize like, no, no, no just 10 minutes from that earlier stuff sucks. So you yeah. can sit down. Right. Well, I got to the point where it's like, I can fucking crush. Like I can go crush and like, I'm given headliners problems and you get addicted to that way of doing comedy kind of. And after a while, it just, it feels super one dimensional and bullshitty. Like, like I'm not, you know, I, I did have stories and things that really connected to people inside it. But I think the way, the way I was doing it was meant to get the, that laugh response from the audience rather than meant to make them think or connect with them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Even sure. though you can do the same joke in a different way, kind of. Mm -hmm. And um, and I just, I don't know, I just felt stagnant, but I was bored. You get to a point also, we, we're in Minnesota. And when you start comedy, you have the luxury of thinking like, any given night, I could crush any, and who knows who's in the audience and... Yeah. And it's like, now I'm just like, we're here. There's nothing that's going to fucking yeah. happen. No. It doesn't matter that I fuck. I mean, it. I care personally, but it doesn't change your life. So you get to this point where it's like, kind of like, what's the point of killing? Like, I'm going to try to give some weird challenge. And, and, and I, I mean, for a full year, not that I never did old, like I absolutely mixed in old stuff, but if I did a seven minute uh, open mic, like five minutes of it was just trying new shit like every single night and yeah. I, I remember sucking so bad for so long that i remember you know you think everyone knows how good you are from the past but you don't realize like they forget immediately and they just now think like boy gabe's not very really fucking good at this anymore <laughs> or whatever and and it's like there truly was a point where i'm like i better recover my image a little bit because i think i'm getting a reputation for being 
sloppy, not caring, but I, there's a real reason I was doing it, you know, yeah. and I'm super glad I did because now I can be off the, you know, whatever. I can speak about kind of anything extemporaneously and generally get there. You know, I mean, yeah. that is good. I, I, it's better if I prepare. But. Yeah, absolutely. You sort of like, you're, it's muscle memory. You know how, how the cadence is. You know how it feels. Yeah. You know, you might have some different word placement after you tell the joke a couple of times. Yep. But once you get into that rhythm of feeling it, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I had your, a, your own speaking cadence is something that, that does. And now, so now I'm to the point, I'm trying to break that now. So like I'm writing a new bit now that I'm actually trying to do. And this is just for kicks, but trying to do it in like a Bob Newhart type delivery in a sense mm -hmm. just just because i want to break my cadence and try and and that's how the bit came to it's about people you know people call their life um um uh a journey my journey yeah, yeah. my journey and uh which is just always just bothered the fuck out of me right total bullshit and yeah yeah and whenever by the time anyone tells so first of all the whole thing is like um i'm trying to do it in the new heart thing that i was going to do but but basically it's like journey like don't you um don't you work at a bank or whatever. Like you're, <laughs> uh, how many days you work there? Five days. Okay. You got a long commute, or do you uh, ride horse or <laughs> drive a van? Oh, Honda Odyssey. Okay. <laughs> you trade in your your safari. You're like doing all because all the vehicle names is Odyssey, Safari, um, Expedition, Expe Explorer. Yeah, right. And yeah. I realize like, we're all obsessed with telling ourselves this lie that we're on this grand adventure. Most of us just go to the same fucking bank five days a week and Absolutely. come back and yeah. like, oh, where do you sleep? Like you sleep on the road, just wherever the road takes you? Oh, no, okay, no, 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 same place every single night? Yeah. It's a hell of a journey. Yeah. You Sounds get, like more of a path of least you, resistance. You get pissed when you have to go to a different target than the one you're used yeah. to going to. You're like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. The cereal aisle is my target. We're a routine-based fucking animal yeah but somehow everyone is on a fucking journey <laughs> you know and you generally stay in this little postage stamp your entire life but yeah. yeah but yeah can we talk about the podcast really quick before we go yeah i do I, this all the time i know I never yes. i never promote my shit and i suck at it yep. i should yep i was gonna tell but you yeah. hit your socials hit yes. all that stuff please yes yeah so um so the podcast profession confession try to do the elevator pitch but we uh we've been in a uh an iTunes top 200 show many, many times. We kind of go up there and then drop out. But um, I interview people who have jobs involving life and death, sex, violence, and crime. So I'll have drug traffickers, um, lots of sex workers, um, law enforcement, FBI people, all like, like counterterrorism, air marshals, all kinds of like, just cr really like crazy shit. We, we have like, I'm very proud of a lot of our shows. Like, I mean, overwhelming majority of them. Like I, I don't release so I don't release weekly. I used to say that and try, but I just realized like it's just the the guests that we're going after are really hard to line up that way. And I'm definitely trying to get back to. Uh, I'm looking for a producer if anyone out there wants to produce my show, but um, you know so that I can be weekly. Someone to chip in a little bit with some bookings and shit like that too, because mm -hmm. I get you know when you're talking to someone who doesn't want to say that or they're uncomfortable with it, you know, you get a lot of. I'm not talking to showbiz people. So they're, they want to do it. They're excited. And then as he, the date gets closer, they start to run or it's, you know, I've been military. I got called by the justice department, special agent. I wish I could remember his last name from Chicago. Cause they're listening to my podcast. Cause they're trying to get me to snitch. Wow. And no I'm just shit. like, yeah. Oh yeah. They like threatened me. And, and cause they're like, you have to tell cause you, um, discussed. So at first 
we had a previous thing. I had a military guy, and we, he said some classified stuff. So I, I knew not to fuck with that, to, like, put that out because he, he told me afterwards. So I cut that out. I am – my whole thing is based on my trust with the guests, right? So it's like I have to protect them at all costs or mm -hmm. my show is over. You know, like it, it really is the whole fucking thing. So when we have people on our show, it's like if you have second guests, you know, after the show or whatever, like I will cut it out. You, you know, just the guest is in charge because we're trying to get that type of stuff. So we've had like um, we've had a dominatrix on who got paid $20,000. So she's a world renowned dominatrix. She got paid $20,000 to literally crucify um, a guy. Guy flew in from Texas with stainless steel nails like not long nails he knew where to put them on his wrist or whatever to miss the bone but she literally built a cross in her dungeon and he fucking nailed him oh to my it. god and that's how he gets a boner you know like i mean mind you right oh twenty thousand dollars she did it five times and had to tap out she's like I, I just can't even do this anymore but yeah it's like she's like all the blood oh <laughs> but i bet it's like, yeah that it's fucking We've had so many stories on our show where it's just like jaw-dropping shit. Like just wow. jaw-dropping shit. And that's why we did this studio and wanted to get video because I'm like, I try to call friends in the film industry kind of thing where it's like, hey, I've done shoots with you. Can you come film one podcast and make two, three clips? I'm like, yeah, 1500 bucks. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, shit. Ugh, I know. You know, so yeah. that, that's kind of why we started this. But anyway, the special agent one, we had just had this guy who said classified stuff, and I can say parts of what he said, but not details, but he was a, uh, and I vet everyone, and, and some of them are anonymous, it's just whatever they want, and I'll hide voice, I'll do whatever. But um, he, he had banana stories, like we were in Syria before we were officially in Syria, and he was doling out guns and all this stuff, and giving weapons to different groups, and he's like, he was just totally un, um, like undisciplined he's like he's like you'd like hand them a weapon and they'd run out the fucking door and start shooting he's like it was the most banana shit he's ever seen because every group was fighting one another like there was no real sides but he got dropped in north korea um which we're not even ever have supposed to but um said that with the uh, nukes when kim jong-il was showing nukes or the kim jong before that i believe um it showed him having like a whole bunch of nukes. So we wanted to know how many of those were real. So he got dropped with a small man or five man deployment or something like that and went in and, and uh, um, actually was, they had bases that were not like guarded. So they thought they were dummy um, warheads basically, mm -hmm. but they had to go and like confirm that. So he did like, I mean, they went on, broke on, you know, he's like, nothing's fucking defended in this like really well and they broke on to like find that out and they were dummy war like i mean he really had nukes but not as many at all is what they thought um just stories like uh, i mean we, we just had a recent one that was one of the best ones ever that was a military one and it was uh he was in afghanistan battle of marja and it's just it's great because he 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 succinct like he got the humor because you know our show's very very dark but what i found is I've had dark shit happen to me. Those people generally laugh at yeah. their whatever. So it's very weird. Like we have really funny conversations, even though it's awful shit, you know? So what do you find most of these guests? Um, truly, I become just the most annoying fucking person. Like when I meet anyone just about, it's like, oh, what do you do? <laughs> and 
asking our audience, putting that out. I mean, it's, but really most of it is just me. I used to work at a furniture store and that was great because you had all these different people coming in all the time. Now I'm doing more of like reaching out. Cause now, now I'm realizing like we're a top, we are still in the top 1% show, you know, like, I mean, we like that's confirmed and we have a nice studio, nice, whatever. I'm like, I should be reaching for guests higher up. But yeah. I've never done that. Like I've never leveraged guests, you know, to get a bigger audience. Yep. But um, so now I'll look up like uh, just yesterday I was thinking about private investigators. So I was just Googling around, finding private and you read their shit online, like what they've done. And, you know, there's like four guys who are just amazing where I'm like, oh, that'd be super cool to hear about. So I'm going to write them today and see who I can get. Uh, there's a, a bare knuckle fighter from town, uh, Mike Richmond, who is just who, who I'm a fan of, who I've seen, but he does bare knuckle shit right he's God. flown to the europe to fight people like in like true underground shit like Lionheart, like, jean claude yes. van damme shit 100 wow like, we i mean so we had prison guards lots of prisoners gang th shit like that um the air marshal was one of the most interesting fucking ones like that one blew me away actually and i, I was not even really looking forward to doing it i was truly kind of like he fucking rides around on planes like nothing happens there's no big news shit yeah but the info it's fucking fascinating like um they bring a gun on like on the plane right so i was like well if everyone knows if the stewardesses know whatever like isn't that like just a terrorist could easily find out in a sense right mm -hmm. like how many people know and he said no he's like the only person who knows that i'm on the plane and have a gun is the pilot like he has to know he enters through the employee or like he actually not sneaks on the plane but like he has to take a surreptitious way like he walks in like he's an employee and then kind of goes into the lobby that way so he has a gun tucked in his fucking in his waistband so he's like i have a permanent bruise right here no way yeah so wow. he's like my gun's you know tucked into his belt basically. yeah they take improv classes and he's like you do not want to sit next to me um on a plane because he's gonna one of their strategies is that they are going to be kind of the loud type guy, like not get garner suspicion being a, a jughead who's quiet, right? Yeah. I'm going to be obnoxious more, even seem a little drunkish. And he's going to ask some questions. So he, he sits next to you. He's Rudy Pavich, uh, one of the great hosts at Y94 or what, whatever the thing was. Mm -hmm. And then on the next flight, he'll be Rudy Pavich from Y94. Oh, no like, shit! All this shit. Wow. And then he said, um, um, just, oh, talking about I was like, well, have you ever had, like, what do you do? You just ride? He's like, oh, we're on a mission, like, every time. So every time they're on a plane, there's there's some objective. Like, whether they're following someone who has ties to terrorist-type organizations. Um, and he's like, I said something where he goes, like, well, me and the other guy. I'm like, there's, like, two air marshals on? He goes, oh, there's almost always, like, two. I'm like, What? And he goes, oh, yeah, like, depending on the mission, there's, like, more. I said, well, what's the most you've ever been with? He's like, I think, like, 18. I was like, what, are you going to a fucking convention? Yeah. Like, what, what do you mean? And he's like, let's just say we're following a really bad guy. But um, there was one he was on. He, I, You know, I asked if he ever had some incident. And he said there was one where he was deadheading it back. He wasn't technically, like, um, it was his day off you know, in a sense. And he was flying back from Dubai, I think it was. And um, he's one of the only white guys on the plane. And there, he hears a, um, footsteps 
running up the aisle, which he's like, here running on an airplane, you know, he's like, is, is very rare. So he's like, just immediately perked him up and it's a stewardess. And he watched her and she ran up to the other stewardess and he's watching like, he, you know, he can tell very panicked uh, body language. And so he kind of went up there and he's like, this is something to think about. Like, you don't want to reveal who you are for the most part, but he felt like he probably should. So he goes up and asks, and the lady told him that there's there's a white woman in the back who has a baby, and she's married to a guy from Dubai. So she speaks um, Arabic, but doesn't look like it, right? So there's these two other guys on the plane who, one of them started in the front, one of them started in the middle, and they started like trading seats, getting themselves to the back of the plane. And they were sitting in the very last row that was empty by the bathroom. And they would alternate going into the bathroom for like 15 minutes at a time. You know, like just long, like what the fuck are these guys doing? Yeah. The woman with the baby in the back was noticing that and she's hearing them and she understands what they're saying. And they're going like, should we do it now? Let's do it now. Like they're having this heated argument about doing something or, you know, like it, it was, you know, a sh sheer terror type thing. So I said, I was like, Jesus fucking pull out your gun and fucking go pop, you know, Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> they hadn't committed a crime yet, so you can't. I was like, oh, yeah, I suppose. But I'm like, what the fuck did yeah. you do in that thing? Yeah. And and he couldn't tell me a lot of stuff. It got us to talking about, like, they're, they are sniper. Like, to be an air marshal, your, your ability with a gun has to be insane. You're shooting in a tight, tight aircraft, right? Yeah. People like that with the highest stakes. But... um he couldn't tell me stuff because he's like, there's classified how we deal uh, with that stuff. But he said, let's just say we got that plane, a normal airplane descends and lands in like 20 minutes. He's like, we got that plane on the ground in like under four minutes. So, oh, shit. which leads me to think that part of their strategy is that you fucking die. You know, you dive the plane to where they can't do much. And he's like, those poor people on that plane. Oh, I bet. You know? Wow. And, and it ended up, they arrested those guys. They interrogated them. And they actually didn't have anything. And he totally believes it was, they were learning their security protocol. He's like, they were, they were connected. They were distantly connected, but he's like, that wasn't an accident. They were doing that to learn, you know, that's why um, China and uh, the Middle East does well with these things. Cause they play a long game. Whereas the United States government, like we take, like we want results now. Yeah. Whereas they'll take years planning these things like this to learn how yeah. you react and then okay. you can know what to do. So the 9-11 pilots did all that too. And yeah, yeah, we had an anti-terrorist guy I was talking about, like, I was like, how many people are, do you believe are like real terrorist type people in our, like in Minneapolis here? And he's like, oh, not that many, probably like, like five or six or something like that. But I'm like, it's five or and, six too many. And I'm like, can <laughs> you know that they're at like working against, I was like, do you ever go knock on their door and just go, hey, just so you know, like, you know, I have nothing to arrest you for, but, you know, we're watching, we know. Mm -hmm. And he goes, yeah. <laughs> it's like, absolutely. Wow. And I was like, where do you, are you comfortable taking your families? He had little kids. Like, you know, do you, he's like, I kind of avoid Mall of America. <laughs> I go, why? It's like, because it's the number one target in this place every fucking year, every time. It's I bet. of America. Yeah. And he's like, and it's a symbol for Totally, you know, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just, it's crazy. Holy you know? shit, dude. Yeah. If, if I am this intrigued just by hearing you talk yeah. about it, I can't imagine what, like, all of these episodes are when you have these actual guests on that tell these long I'll stories. i a super quick bow on the special agent one, too. 
the, where the where the where the FBI guy called me and tried to threaten me a little bit was that I had someone on the podcast and I thought it was the classified military one for sure because there was some external fear that we heard about whatever from within the military. So I don't want to talk too much about that. Sure, but anyway, <laughs> the um um this one the guy calls and I was certain that that was it and. And it ends up what it was is I had had a prison guard on, and the prison guard worked in the WITSEC unit, which is the witness, like basically the Sammy the Bull. Sammy the Bull was in his wing, and witness security is like the why is the word escaping me? But when you send, do you know who Sammy the Bull is? Yeah, he's the guy. Yeah, yeah. what are they? Uh, like witness a, like, protection. Okay, god yeah. damn, yeah. I was struggling with that. <laughs> So, you know, they're, of course, they go to a house eventually and all that. But even then, when they're in jail, they have to be secure and protected and people can't know where they are. Well, he, he on the podcast basically broke federal law by saying who was on his wing. So then they wanted that info really bad. And the guy was so slick. He was, you know, he's an FBI lawyer type or he was a special agent. So I don't know for sure. But he's like, hey, just... Um, you know, in, in investigating you, I just want to let you know, I listened to a few of the episodes. I really like them. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, you know, right. I'm like, yeah. You're like, and I was like, well, I don't suppose you'd come on the show. It'd be interesting. He goes, no. He said, mm. actually, what I need to know, though, and I need to know from you is, is um, I heard that you had, had Bill on the show. And I said, who's Bill? Like, Bill who? I said, like, you know, Bill Peterson or whatever. That, like, thank God I didn't an- let I never answer calls first so I could see I could prepare myself a little bit for it because he tried to trap me into it like on oh yeah i had bill peterson on the show and then i made him explain more and he's like well you had a prison guard episode so basically he knew who they thought it was they wanted me to prove it oh. and he's like well you had him on the show he's like you booked him you must have known i said no i have i have a producer who does that i didn't do that he's like so you're telling me you don't know like and then he started saying well i'm, I'm gonna have to come interview you and we need to talk. I'm going to fly in 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 July, and and I said, should I have a lawyer present? He said, you might want to. Like, I mean, they put like I was fucking shitting bricks. Wow! Right? But I just told them at the end. I said, hey man, I'm I'm more patriotic than you'd think from listening to my podcast, but I'm even more supportive of me. <laughs> and, <laughs> and if I fucking rat this guy out, I said, I hope you can understand. It like I gotta, I can't do that. So yeah. I'm like whatever will happen will happen and and you know because in my mind i'm going worst case they put me in jail for a week or something like that i would think yeah i, you know, right? I, I yeah. don't know yeah but yeah. and i had some journalism type shit i could kind of argue but but yeah whatever so like we have we have some super intense shit that's sure. insane man wow sure. well excellent well yeah. dude i appreciate you letting me come down i love the studio i love seeing it i think it's great to we had a chance to you know cut one of these together this is, great. This is awesome super man fun. so I had, a, I had a blast thank excellent you. dude well thank you very much uh, yeah, where, can people, where can people find you on social media oh well i'm just awful at that so uh twitter i i go on twitter storms uh um at gabe underscore noah and then um, I'm on Facebook. I don't even do Instagram. I don't. I fucking hate social media. But um, YouTube. But really, just look up Profession Confession. Um, maybe on YouTube. But I have some comedy stuff up there too. Sure. But yeah. Excellent. Cool. Yeah, man. All right, brother. You take Thanks care, so man. Much, dude, dude. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Definitely. Yeah. Right on.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.